Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian DCM, and welcome to episode number one hundred and thirty-one of the Latvia Weekly podcast. My name is Joe Horgan, and I am here in Yelgava, joined via internet call by Otto Tabuns, my wonderful co-host, who is in Riga. So, how how are you in Riga tonight, Otto? Oh, uh, thank you, Joe. It's a wonderful evening. Uh, quite cooler now than it was previously, but still a very summery day here. Yeah, you know, I, I keep hearing from my friends and uh, relatives in the United States that there's this massive heat wave going on over there. I know some of you listen from the United States, so you know my uh, sympathies are with you there. It's not quite as hot here as it is over there and in some of the other places in the world, but it's still been pretty darn hot, Otto. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, that's right, especially uh, in the um, afternoon. Um, uh, I would not envy those people who also had to uh, sit in their cars during the rush hour after work. So it was indeed uh, quite uh, hot on the cobblestones and on the asphalt in the center of the city. Yeah, certainly. So, so stay safe, everyone. Make sure to you know drink a lot of water and, and wear sunscreen. So we are here tonight, as always, to talk through kind of the biggest news stories of the week. And what we normally do, so we talk through the news and, uh, you know, usually we start with some domestic stories, then we go through some international stories. And then we always have a section about the week in history. But we decided for a number of reasons this week to start with the week in history. And Otto, can you take us through the tragic events of June 1941 to start off the episode today? Exactly. So uh, that is something that we uh, mentioned uh, already in the previous episode, but I wanted uh, to take this opportunity to remind our listeners that uh, whereas uh, the middle of the summer is the time when we have uh, the midsummer, one of the greatest holidays that we have, uh, this time of year has also unfortunately at times uh, been when some very significant tragedies have also ravaged our country. Uh, one of them is, of course, the deportations of June 14, 1941, that we uh, talked about uh, in one of our recent episodes. And let's not forget that, as that happened during the Soviet occupation, the Nazis invaded the same year on June 22nd. So it was just a, a week later when we had uh, another occupation on our heads, and it was uh, already a couple uh, of weeks later, on July the 4th, uh, when uh, some of the major atrocities by the Nazi invaders were committed, because uh, July 4th of 1941 is the date uh, with which uh, we commemorate the genocide against uh, the Jews that took place in our country under the occupation of Nazi Germany. As on this day, the Riga Great Choral Synagogue and other facilities of Latvian Jewish worship were burned down by the Nazis and their accomplices. Uh, you can still see the remains of uh, the Coral Synagogue on Zirnov Street uh, 124. Uh, it is now a place of a monument. And uh, this serves as a reminder that the uh, 90,000 strong Latvian Jewish community was the third largest in Latvia by the time when World War II started. And between 1941 and 1944, Approximately 70,000 of them were murdered by Nazis and their supporters. And we've talked before uh, quite a bit on this show about how this is something that 
has been a bit of a difficult issue here in Latvia for a number of reasons, how it's something that there's been a lot of, um, you know, kind of a lack of education about. And, you know, even today, a lot of people are, you know, very unaware of exactly what happened during the Holocaust and even where to find some of the Holocaust memorials, for example, you know, which are throughout the country. And, you know, it's, it's a situation which has slowly been getting better, certainly, uh, where, you know, Holocaust um, remembrance and, and Holocaust memorials are becoming more of a prominent thing, you know, especially I think, you know, with, uh, you know, Otto's mentioned, uh, you know, many times before, I still haven't gotten a chance to watch it, um, the film about um, uh, Janis... Um, Jan Slipke. Yes, about, about Janis Lipke, uh, who, who was a uh, hero for, for Jewish people who helped um, save them from the Nazi regime. You know, th- there's definitely been more awareness that's been raised about this, but it's still been, unfortunately, something that there's still a lot of work to do. And the reason why we're mentioning the story first this, this week in history is because it is very unfortunately closely related to the biggest story of the week, which is the very shocking, I, I don't know exactly how to say, disgusting, I think we could also say, choice by Saima or Parliament member Aldous Guobzems to wear a Star of David and a, I mean, just like a horrible cardboard cutout Star of David on his chest to uh, make a point about vaccines and, you know, how he's somehow comparing the horrors that the Jewish people lived through in the Nazi regime with, uh, I, I honestly don't understand, you know, how, how he could even make this comparison with the idea that the government is is forcing people to live and behave a certain way in the COVID pandemic and pressuring people to get vaccinated or some kind of ridiculous point like that. But, you know, I, at least as, you know, I can just say as an American, you know, this is something that we've heard a lot about. You know, America was not a place where the Holocaust took place, uh, you know, but but we still, you know, learn a lot about the Holocaust during history class and, and just in general. And this specific thing about the Star of David and how people were, uh, Jewish people were forced to wear it to, uh, to identify themselves, you know, is one of the things that we, you know, remember the most when we're, when we're told about the Holocaust and when we learn about the Holocaust when we're younger, you know, but here in Europe, I mean, we're very close to where this actually happened, literally. So, you know, it is very shocking to see somebody use this to make some kind of political point for whatever, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm i kind of at a loss for words, Arden, and I think a lot of people are, so so maybe I'd like to hear your take on the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Mr. Globesams is certainly not the first one to whose mind came the idea to try to equate uh, the restrictions on uh, freedom associated with uh, the pandemic and the treatment of Jews by the Nazis during uh, World War II. So we have seen um, similar, albeit limited, instances like these in other countries such as the United States and Russia and um, others. At the same time, it is indeed uh, unique uh, for the Latvian political environment and he is with his actions, the one who has done it uh, most openly and uh, outrageously. Uh, here I would uh, agree with you. On the one hand, I think that this is perhaps not so much of uh, his ignorance to what happened and how it was used uh, also in the Nazi-occupied Latvia because there are people still alive from the time who were subject uh, to such treatment also among Latvian citizens. Certainly he did that to gain political uh, attention at the time when apparently it is difficult for him to do in some other more uh, civilized manner. 
but uh, he did this and we'll see uh, whether he will be able to uh, skirt this issue as he has uh, tried to do with other controversies, perhaps more successfully, or perhaps this is a coordinated political action and this activity that has been condemned by many as crazy would actually make some of the other possible candidates for the next national elections make look more normal uh, than uh, they are in the eyes of the electorate. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things to to say about this, but I mean, what, one of the biggest things is, you know, um, and, and as a reminder, people who don't remember this name, Aldous Gwobzims, I mean, you know, if you've been listening to the show since the beginning, I mean, it's a name that you'll rec- you know recognize right off the bat. Um, but as a reminder, you know, he is somebody who rose to prominence uh, first as a lawyer. Uh, you know, in the uh, Moxima tragedy case, uh, he actually lost his uh, law license uh, you know, due, due, due to some, um, you know, uh, some, some libelous claims that he made uh, after that. But uh, then he led the KPVLV party in the 2018 election. He actually, you know, was quite successful and, and he actually was given the chance to form a government by the, by the president and then had a big falling out with uh, other leadership in the KPVLV party, you know, was a independent member in SIMA for some time and then founded his own new party, the Likum Tunkartiba party or the Law and Order party and had some pretty big names, you know, in uh, lobbying politics join in with him. And, you know, it was looking like it was going to be a pretty significant uh, force in the next election. But two of those names have already jumped ship right after he, he made these comments, and specifically because of these comments. Uh, uh, Otto, who, who are these two people who, who jumped away from um, this uh, situation? Uh, of course, here we are talking about uh, Ms. Stepanenko and Ms. Shvetsova, who uh, were elected uh, from um, other lists, then became independent deputies, and uh, thought or and actually joined Mr. Gwobzims in his uh, newest attempt uh, to run for uh, the parliamentary election. But apparently this would not be something that they uh, would uh, accept from Mr. Gwobzims uh, to continue their participation in this list. Yeah, I mean, you know, not 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 a huge surprise to me. I, I would not want to be, you know, have my have my wagon hitched to him afterwards. But it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, um, he is somebody who has a significant amount of support, and there are a lot of people who, you know, completely agree with his uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, statements that that he's making about, you know, comparing the uh, Nazi genocides to anything to do with COVID in, in any way. Um, so, you know, uh, he, he certainly has his niche in, in uh, Latvian politics. The big question, though, is what is going to be the consequences of this? I mean, I know that there's already been talk of some kind of, you know, one one form of uh, censure or another uh, from, from the other members of parliament. So, you know, I, I saw that there was some, some talk of, uh, of disciplining him in some way. So how, how could that work, Otto? How could he potentially be disciplined by, by um, uh, the rest of uh, parliament? On the one hand, you you, uh, would uh, have the proceedings possible by the Committee on Ethics, uh, uh, which would be, I think, uh, on the way. And one of the options would be then for the Parliament to put out a statement uh, with uh, regard to these uh, actions of Mr. Uh, Gobsams, specifically by denouncing them and uh, that uh, would be a significant position from the parliament and I think an important thing 
to do. Uh, well, another option, probably more remote but still possible, is also the specific article in the criminal law uh, which makes it um, illegal to ridicule or deny the genocide of the what the occupying powers, both the Soviets and the Nazis, committed on uh, Latvian territory with Latvian citizens. So that would also be a possibility that proceeding could also be started. Uh, so we will keep you updated. I mean, this is definitely a uh, you know one one of the biggest stories in Latvian politics. Unfortunately, you know it's very depressing that it, that it has to be that way. But uh, you know, as Otto said, you know we've been seeing similar things in in other parts of the world. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I would, I would like to think that we're a bit better than this. But but unfortunately, that that is the way that uh, you know populist politics can go sometimes. So, well, speaking of some kind of uh, vile comments uh, that we've been seeing lately. So apparently uh, Uga Dumpis, who is kind of like the, uh, for people in, in America or who recognize, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci, he's kind of like the Latvian version of, uh, of Dr. Fauci here, kind of the top, um, you know, infectologist who, you know, does a lot of uh, media interviews and, and is uh, advising the government at, at very, very high levels. Um, so unfortunately, you know, he, he was uh, being interviewed by uh, a Latvian radio this week. And, uh, you know, he uh, pointed out how he has been the target of different uh, threats and, and uh, some, some very horrible comments about him online. You know, unfortunately, I've read a number of these comments and it's uh, very kind of disgusting to see this, uh, you know, against somebody who, you know, is really devoting their life to trying to make the situation better. You know, whether, you know, wh wh whether you agree or not with, uh, you know, whatever restriction, you know, obviously, um, you know, th th this is somebody who, who's trying their absolute best uh, to uh, to put science into practice and to, uh, you know, make the, you know, help, help people make the best decisions possible. And, you know, wh whether you agree with them or not, I mean, any kind of threats like this are uh, not what freedom of speech, you know, laws are intended for. So I would like to get your take on this unfortunate situation, Otto. Yes, well, um, I, I think it is partially linked with the story uh, of um, Mr. Gobzems and um, the agitation that the society has with regard to the uh, need or the perceived need uh, to get vaccinated, uh, the matter of restrictions or the relaxation of restrictions for those who have been vaccinated and not for those who haven't. Uh, and um, unfortunately, some people um, still do not get that they have responsibility for the words they say, especially if that goes hand in hand uh, with uh, violence, uh, even though they are angry, even though they are tired. Well, that certainly uh, is not a legitimate ground uh, to threaten violence against anybody. Uh, there are other doctors that you can consult, and if we trust in science and if we look at the, the advice that uh, Mr. Dompis is giving out, well, that is the option is for you whether to uh, take it into account or not take into account, but certainly that is no ground uh, for violence, and I deplore it as well. Certainly, yeah. So. Let's 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 try to keep things as civil as possible. I know a lot of people are stressed out, you know, with with how the last year has gone. But that's certainly no excuse for those kinds of uh, comments. But uh, speaking of um, some more COVID news, uh, some some more good news. You know, last week we had mostly good COVID-related news, uh, and uh, we have some more, you know, kind of good numbers. So the amounts of uh, vaccination, the rate of vaccination has been increasing since midsummer. So, uh, you know, we, we've had more people getting their first doses of vaccine, which is a good thing because we're still, you know, just under 
30% of the population being vaccinated, which is not where we want to be. And, you know, another kind of related story is that uh, Daniel Spavlutz, who is the health minister, you know, his goal was to get 70% of the population vaccinated by fall. You know, that would achieve some kind of so-called herd immunity, you know, which is uh, something that's disputed in terms of, you know, what, what kind of number would be, um, you know, realistic for that and, you know, whether or not that that, uh, you know, can, can, can really happen. But he's saying that that is really no longer a realistic possibility given the uh, vaccination rates and also the amount of time it takes for immunity to kick in with the, uh, with the doses of vaccination. So, um, you know, some kind of a mix of positive news, but also kind of a reality check there from uh, Mr. Pavlut. So, you know, Otto, I remember your theory was that uh, a lot of people, you know, might just not want to get vaccinated right now. They might want to be on vacation and, and kind of just kind of forgetting about it, especially with the numbers lower than, you know, they have been. I mean, the, the numbers have been going down. You know, today we had just, I believe, 77 new cases, which is the lowest mm-hmm. we've had in a very, very, very long time. Um, and, you know, you also mentioned that people might be waiting to see what kind of benefits they get. So, uh, so what, what are your thoughts on the vaccination situation right now? Oh, that's right. I think all those uh, aspects apply. And uh, it is good that the government is prepared to provide the vaccination, but we have to be ready that the society, not all of the people in the society, uh, would go through with it. Uh, it will probably be more problematic in those sectors that would depend on the presence of people, such as in the education, especially if we want to go back to um, the in-class uh, uh, teaching and learning uh, from uh, September the 1st. But uh, there certainly would also be sectors in other areas where this would not apply. Currently also there is discussion whether the um, employer uh, would have the right to demand that the employee is vaccinated. Currently under the law there is no such specific regulation, but today it was uh, reported on the national radio by the parliamentary secretary of the prime minister uh, that uh, the cabinet of ministers is considering to go forward with legislation that would allow employers to get information whether their employees uh, are vaccinated and perhaps also consider uh, putting um, additional regulation with regard to that uh, in the context of employment law. So uh, probably uh, the government will not uh, back down and we'll see um, additional measures to uh, motivate people to get vaccinated. Yeah, and you know, obviously that's something that's going to be a very hot issue for, you know, constitutional courts and so we will, uh, you know, see if that ends up, um, you know, being something that the, the government you know, it decides uh, has the ability to do. I remember, Otto, you gave a very good discussion a few episodes back saying that you believed um, that signs were pointing to yes, that, uh, you know, there there were, that that would be uh, legal within the Constitution, at least in, you know, certain circumstances. And, and you gave some very good analysis of which circumstances those would be. But I also want to mention that, uh, you know, I was reading an interview with a new education minister, uh, Minister of Education and Science in uh, Latvia's Avise, I believe it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, the questions obviously came up, you know, are children going to be, you know, above the age of 14 going to be, um, you know, uh, is the vaccine going to be mandatory and is it going to be mandatory for teachers to be vaccinated? And, you know, she seemed very cautious about, uh, you know, both of these issues that, uh, you know, probably not uh, for for now. And, you know, with teachers that, you know, it, it would be better that, uh, you know, to, to not have to, uh, to to force them to do so and to, um, you know, 
uh, be able to find ways to uh, you know encourage them to do in in other ways. So, but it's it's gonna it's gonna become a bigger and bigger and bigger question the closer and closer we get to September, and we're gonna be hearing about it a lot more in future episodes. Do you agree, Otto? Uh, indeed, as uh, we already mentioned, uh, just adding one sentence to this. Uh, that there was the comparison with people who work in uh, public catering and all of them have specific requirements with regard to the sanitary tests uh, that they have to undertake if they want to work there, so the people who are cooking and serving. And uh, a similar analogy uh, could be invoked uh, in terms of uh, teachers who work with children and we'll probably uh, we'll see uh, the, the legal battles uh, around this issue and I think you're right about this. Yeah, so we will... Um continue keeping an eye on this but Otto I think for now can we please move on from COVID-19 to some other stories let's do that please <laughs> so uh, looking beyond COVID to what's happening in Latvia so July 1st was a very interesting day because not only are we basically kind of halfway through the calendar year you know we're now in the second half of the year we're in the seventh month but a lot of new things kind of came into effect so one thing you know which kind of quietly came into effect is the new municipal map after um, territorial reform that we've been talking about you know since the beginning of the episode Uh, and you know that was related to the uh, municipal election that just happened uh, last month and you know another thing that um, you know is related to that is that the leaders of the city councils have now been chosen and uh, you know we we won't go through every single uh, leader of uh, city councils you know because um, most of you do not live in those places and and you can also look those up yourselves Uh, so you know there were some changes but uh, but not as many as you might expect I mean for example in Yelgova we still have Andres Robinch as the mayor in Yurmala it's still going to be um, got this uh, trucsness uh, despite all of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes but there's one big change one name that uh, you know is a very familiar name in terms of a mayor of a city uh, since the late 80s who is no longer going to be mayor and which name is that Otto? That is of course uh, Mr. Ivers Lambergs. Yes and uh, you know Otto and I uh, we, we talked last episode and I think the one before that uh, you know, there was a big question about whether he would be able to uh, serve as mayor from prison, as you know, has been the uh, case in certain other municipalities throughout the world. But as uh, you know, Otto predicted, based on his knowledge of the Constitution last week, that is not possible. I don't know. You know, th- th- this is one of those things where, for people following the Ivars Lemberg's you know criminal case for for so long and you know for those of you who don't recognize this name you know he is uh, somebody who has been considered one of the top uh, oligarchs in the country somebody who has a lot of power and influence and uh, you know specifically the um, Union of Greenstone Farmers the ZZS party somebody who has had a lot of influence in Latvian politics and business for a long long time uh, despite a n- number of allegations a lot of people were very very frustrated about how long his uh, court case was going on for uh, and uh, the fact that he was still serving as the mayor of Ventspils even though you know he wasn't technically really allowed to so I don't know, Otto, do you feel like this is literally a new day, a new era where, uh, you know, I don't know, some, something has changed? Well, I think that only partially. Uh, we'll see how things will happen because of the Ventspils City Council is still to elect their head of the council, so they have extended the uh, meeting uh, to uh, July the 5th, if I remember correctly. Um, as currently there were six votes for Mr. Lambax and six votes against. 
and as according to the law, computer uh, may not be provided for a person who is in prison. Mr. Lamberts, even though he has been elected as a deputy, was not able to vote. So we'll see whether uh, it will still be his party um, that retains uh, the seat, because then Mr. Lamberts would still have the chance to exert considerable influence, even though he is uh, not the one at the head of the table. Uh, if his party remains the locomotive of the uh, next coalition. But uh, if that is not the case, then perhaps we may uh, see some more changes. But that we will see probably more clearly uh, next week. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, the, the main thing for me is that, you know, I have a hard time seeing him, you know, be able to project power on a national level the same way that he has, you know, for so long you know, if he's struggling just to, you know, kind of maintain his base at home and just maintain his, you know, position within, you know, Ventspils uh, City Council. So, I don't know, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a little bit less of a factor in the 2000 and, uh, you know, 24, you know, national election than he was, you know, in, in the previous election, certainly the election before that. Um, but uh, I don't know, do, do you think I'm off on my analysis, Otto? Um, I think that uh, you are right with regard uh, to the national level. But I would not say that this is the last of Mr. Lambergs that we would see, uh, at least in the environs of Ventspils, because he has many allies and uh, many people are quite happy about what he did, especially those who have received benefits uh, directly or indirectly uh, from his uh, actions. So I would not expect uh, that uh, aura uh, fade away so quickly. No, certainly. I mean, and, you know, you can just go to Ventspils. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go to Ventspils sometime this summer because it's a wonderful place to visit. Uh, and it looks great. I mean, physically, it looks fantastic. I mean, you know, things are so well renovated and, you know, the, the, the streets look clean and everything. I mean, of course, you have to scratch the surface a little bit to see, you know, where the, you know, um, you know how, how the uh, management of the money, you know, actually was uh, was going and everything. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, they just look and they see, oh, everything looks so nicely renovated and there's all this new stuff built. And, you know, why why not, um, you know, continue supporting him? You know, it, it's it's that simple a lot of the times uh, when, it, when it comes to politics. But obviously, you know, the, the devil is always in the details. So, um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Vinceville City Council. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Otto, <laughs> does, does it feel kind of like anticlimactic anyway that, you know, municipal territorial reform after all of this time, you know, it's it's basically done. I mean, we're, 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 we're there. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you think it kind of... Um, on the one hand, I can agree to you. Uh, on the other hand... Uh, if I quote uh, another um, sentence of what I heard today on the radio, uh, the Minister of um, Environmental uh, Protection and Regional Development, uh, who uh, is in charge of uh, uh, the affairs of the municipalities, uh, was quoted as saying that uh, in future uh, it could be considered that uh, the uh, state cities or the vast sets, so the cities that are uh, separate municipalities, may actually be joined uh, with the outlying uh, municipalities uh, or the Nuovad. So probably um, we may not see the end of this, but already it is the case with those cases that are contested at the Constitutional Court. 
and uh, we'll have to uh, a solution will have to be found as in case of Varakyan and now also in the case of Wozolniaki but uh, probably this will not be the end of it so the number may keep decreasing but the story is not yet finished yeah I mean you know again I mean as a reminder um, you know t territorial uh, reform you know the, the last major one happened like what only about 10 or 11 years ago you know, I mm -hmm. mean, it's it's something that happened. You know, that's been happening pretty frequently because you know, again, you know, the the, the population is decreasing in general throughout the country, and it's harder, you know, to to make these, you know, um, municipals uh, municipalities that make sense both territorially and uh, you know, population wise. So, you know, it's uh, it's not something that's ever kind of a stable situation, and you know, it's going to continue being fluid, and uh, there will be changes. Again, you know, at some point or another, would you agree, Otto? That's right. So oh, we will keep reporting on this as well. Definitely. So, um, well, another kind of major story that happened this week out in the municipalities, not so much Riga itself, but, but further outside of Riga, uh, it was announced that they're uh, planning on building a thousand kilometers of new highways throughout the country over the next few decades. And Again, you know, by, by thousands of kilometers, you know, this would be upgrading usually roads that already exist. So this wouldn't be completely building new roads necessarily from scratch, but, 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 but a lot of this would be, would be upgrading, um, you know, roads that already exist into uh, these two-lane highways. So these would be the kind of highways, for example, that we see, you know, from, uh, you know, Yelgava to Riga or from Riga to Sigulda, for example, you know, Riga to Yurmala, these... Um, I should say four-lane four highways. So there are two, two lanes on both sides. They have limited access. You know, the, the kind of highways that we see throughout the world. Um, and this would happen in stages. And I'm so happy to say that the very first stage that we could actually realistically see sometime in the near future would finally be turning Riga's Opvidselsh, or Ring Road, uh, into a actual highway. Because, Otto, uh, you are a fairly new driver. You just uh, got your driver's license a couple of weeks ago. Have you had the unique uh, joy and privilege of driving on Riga's Opvidselsh? Uh, quite frequently, even though, uh, you know, my experience is as limited as you mentioned, because uh, that is uh, the only uh, uh, route uh, that is indeed a ring road that uh, allows to uh, for the uh, uh, cargo uh, trucks, for example, uh, to go around the city and not enter the city center. Uh, at the same time, it is also frequently used, for example, if you go from um, Yalgava to Yurmala to the seaside, that is also um, a route that is frequently used and uh, it also provides an alternate route to reach the airport. Uh, but as it is used both by um, by uh, lorries and uh, uh, the smaller vehicles and faster vehicles, uh, sometimes uh, there are those drivers who want to uh, drive faster and drive around other participants of the traffic. And of course, on a uh, two-lane road, uh, that sometimes creates uh, a number of dangerous situations, which of course would be prevented if that would be a four-lane highway. What you would have, for example, uh, almost all the way from um, Yalgava uh, to Riga. So it is about time uh, to fix that, and I'm glad to see that uh, that will also be not only uh, this one project, but the beginning of a major um, um, concept uh, to upgrade uh, the highways around the country. 
Yeah, it's just hard. I mean, I, I used to drive on it pretty frequently to get to, because um, if you're going to, um, like, the Imanta region of uh, Riga, for example, it's quicker than just driving through the, you know, center. Uh, and also, you know, my uh, my wife has some relatives who live in Babite, which is at the end of the Oped Selsh. But, you know, as Ardo said, you know, you, so you have trucks going, you know, 80, mile, uh, 80 kilometers an hour, because that's, you know, the fastest they're allowed to drive in some situations. But then, you know, you've got a line of people behind you, and, you know, so you've got big pressure to you know, go around the truck, but then you look around and, oh, there's another truck coming at you, you know, from the other direction and, you know, a huge line of people. So, you know, finally, 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 you know, like you, you, you speed, you feel like you're in need for speed and you get around the truck and then there's another truck right in front of it and you, you haven't gotten anywhere, uh, you know, and, and, and you have more, you know, aggressive people who are like triple, quadruple passing, um, you know, so I've, I've never seen what the accident rates are on, uh, on the outfit selsh, but I would, uh, you know, not be surprised if, uh, you know, it's not a great situation. So, you know, it's, I, I think it's uh, fantastic that that is finally being upgraded. And another major thing is, so the Epid Selsh is actually two uh, sections. So one section is from, like, basically Yormala to um, to uh, Solace Pills, and, and that goes over the Riga hydroelectric station, so the so the dam. And then you have to drive through Solace Pills, which, uh, have you ever done that, auto in rush hour? Have you ever driven through Solace Pills in rush hour? Oh, yes, and that is not a very pleasant experience. No, yeah, I mean, you, you might as well just, like, seriously, like, it's sometimes faster to just drive through the center of Riga, uh, because yeah, everyone's just the, the street is faster because of the uh, a, a streetlight regulation. <laughs> it, it's horrible, yeah, so so you have to drive through all of Salas Pills, and then the other side of Salas Pills, then you take a left, and then, and then you, you know, take the rest of the ring road up, um, so they are finally getting rid of that ridiculous situation, and uh, so they're going to connect the two sections of the Opfitzelsch uh, with a bridge over the River Daugava. So this is the section of the River Daugava. You, you can take a look on, you know, any Google map or whatever. Um, so it's a little bit further up from the dam. So it's just past, you know, kind of where the, um, you know, the, the, the reservoir begins, you know, that's formed by the dam. And it's going to go across the river and connect with that uh, interchange that goes from, you know, the between the road to Daugavpils and, and the uh, Opfitzelsch. So... I, I'm very happy about that. You know, the only thing, though, is that uh, everybody who has been here in Latvia for a while knows that uh, bridges over the river Daugava can take a little bit longer than expected to be built and uh, can also get a little bit pricey. Uh, would you agree, Otto? That's right, and hopefully they will learn from their lessons now. Certainly, yes. Um, and, uh you know, uh, another thing that's exciting about these highways is that they're adding, um, you know, uh, bike and pedestrian lanes, uh, which will be very nice. Um, also for people using our least favorite form of transportation in the world, electric scooters. Um, and, uh, you know, especially since a lot of people who use these electric scooters are using them in improper and dangerous ways. Uh, this is a story that, uh, you know, kind of uh, was... was um, widely talked about this week and uh, we actually saw in other places throughout the world um you know uh, i can't remember which country it was but um you know i saw somebody died uh you know uh, on on one of these scooters and you know it was kind of, it was kind of a big story it was somewhere in europe i can't remember off the top of my head where it was um, well in uh, paris there have been uh, uh, three incidents where three people have uh, died and uh, they will consider whether to extend the permission to use electric uh, scooters in Paris um, after next year um, in, if uh, the statistics uh, keep as bad as they are. Yeah, uh, and 
so so here here in Latvia, um, there was a uh, interview on Latvian radio with uh, Ujis uh, Zarlinch, who was uh, one, one of the doctors at the uh, Traumatology and Orthopedics Hospital, and uh, you know he, he was talking about how there's been a um, you know increase in the amount of people who have been injured from uh, you know driving these scooters and. You know, I mean, we've been, you know, if, if you listen to the show before, you you know that Otto and I are kind of like, uh, you know, um, grumpy old men when it comes to these scooters. But, you know, it, it's it's important to remember that uh, there are real life consequences for this. It's not just us being annoyed by, uh, you know, seeing them littering the sidewalks, but, you know, they, they can be dangerous, especially when you have, you know, 14, 15 year olds. I mean, how often, Otto, do you see, you know, like, uh, you know, 15 year olds texting on their scooter, you know, with like two people on it, you know, barely looking and, you know, like you, you have to not quite jump out of the way, but, you know, sometimes I have my kids and, you know, like I, you know, in the, in the uh, stroller or something and, you know, and, and they're, they're whizzing at you at like, you know, 20 kilometers an hour. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not good. Uh, indeed. And I think also in, in Riga, it is also a little bit more dangerous as the pavements are usually uh, narrower. But, uh, well, I have seen a little bit of positive change as they have uh, tightened the regulation about, you know, police is especially uh, badgering uh, those uh, who are uh, violating these rules. For example, uh, having a passenger uh, on uh, such a scooter um, besides the driver, which is uh, prohibited, and also um, moving around like uh, boxes or goods or other stuff, uh, which is also prohibited. So things are getting better, but indeed uh, they wouldn't if there was not uh, this outrage that you also mentioned with regard to these uh, problems that it creates to other uh, participants of the traffic. Yes, yeah, so you know, hopefully, we're going to see. Uh, you know, we've already seen you know, new regulations and, and new uh, rules when it comes to uh, using these scooters. But uh, but hopefully, you know, uh, we we will see uh, more uh, in the in the near future ones that will uh, prevent these dangerous situations. Um, talking of dangerous situations, by the way, you know, we we we. Um, you know, have mentioned many times on the show how you have to be very careful where you're swimming, uh, specifically in rivers, because you know, for example, the River Degawia, you know, there's all kinds of places where there can be whirlpools, there can be false bottoms, uh, you know, uh, under underwater trees, you know, very very dangerous things um, that have led to many many deaths. Um, but rivers are not the only place where you have to be very careful where you're swimming. Are you? Uh, is that correct, Otto? That is right, and uh, not all of the places. Um that may look uh, good for swimming actually uh, are like that. Uh, and one of the places that we uh, like our listeners to be extra careful about is the area um, in uh, Liepāja Karvasta or the uh, former uh, naval port area uh, that uh, contains uh, a military legacy waste uh, from the Soviet occupation as it was a major naval port for the Soviet army, but also from uh, the at times before that, uh, as it used to be a military uh, fortress for a long time. And uh, this week we heard the uh, a very uh, worrying report that a youth who was swimming there um, in the sea by Leopold Karost, uh, which is not a designated swimming area, uh, apparently he cut his leg pretty badly on an old barrel in the sea, approximately uh, 1.2 meters or um, 4 feet uh, under the water. Apparently there was an uh, open barrel and this uh, opening of the barrel, the top of the barrel, had very uh, sharp 
um, uh, edges and the barrel apparently was also rusty and uh, this uh, demanded quite serious amount of stitching and not only at the top level but also apparently with the deep tissue and well, we, we hope uh, that uh, the uh, young man will recover as soon as possible but certainly his summer is ruined and uh, hopefully this will serve as a warning for other listeners not to ruin theirs. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, we, we don't always want to sound like your parents, uh, but, you know, you, you do have to be careful with these things because, uh, you know, it's, it's not worth potentially losing your, your leg over. So, you know, it's best to stick to the designated places to swim because you really never know. Um, so uh, getting getting into more gruesome, um, you know, injury and plague-related things, I, I just realized we have kind of like three uh, kind of horrible uh, <laughs> kind of stories in a row. But but, but this the, this one is much more uh, ancient, and it's kind of more interesting at this point. You know, we, we've been talking a lot about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic in the last year and a half, but uh, the plague is, uh, you know, the uh, bubonic plague is certainly, um, you know, something that was much more, uh, deadly and dangerous than COVID ever was, and a uh, very interesting, um, you know, discovery that was made, an archaeological uh, discovery that was made. Uh, so the oldest known plague victim uh, was found up in uh, Vidzeme this week. Was that correct, Otto? Uh, that is right, and uh, apparently uh, the remains of the person uh, that were found were dated uh, to be more than 5,000 years old. And uh, what the German scientists who uh, dug up those remains um, identified was that uh, the person uh, most likely died from the plague, um, the disease that you mentioned. And uh, it would suggest to us that this is the um, oldest uh, no victim of the plague that we have identified so far. Um, some uh, news outlets have called him uh, patient zero. <laughs> I'm not sure um, uh, how uh, uh, scientifically appropriate that is, but certainly uh, that shows that uh, this uh, 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 disease uh, affected uh, this part of the world already that time ago. And uh, as we know, uh, these uh, contact between people who were sick and those who were healthy was the way how this disease was communicated and uh, later on uh, after the uh, Great Northern War in the 18th century served as a reason uh, at least in Latvia and also in other European countries uh, to stop uh, burying people in or around the church uh, but to open up uh, the big cemeteries um, at the side of the or the outskirts of the city as is the big cemetery the great cemetery uh, in uh, Riga mm -hmm. so very interesting there yeah I mean the, the the patient zero thing I mean you know the the chances that this random guy that they found you know was it was patient zero are uh, incredibly slim uh, I guess you know possible but uh, you know I think that's uh, jumping to uh, conclusions a little bit based on um, you know I don't know just the uh, you know basic uh, basic probability, but but still uh, very very interesting, and will certainly uh, change our understanding of you know of, of the plague and and how it developed and uh, you know how um, you know how how it spread and everything. So definitely will be some uh, some new theories probably in the next few years about that. 
Uh, and then some some good news uh, so from from a name that we haven't heard really a whole lot from in the last uh, you know year or two. I mean, also just because you know so so many uh, sports tournaments were uh, were canceled. Uh, but uh, this is uh, the Latvian tennis champion Aljona Ostapenko, or you know sometimes uh, her her name is. Um, uh, written as Yelena uh, Ostapenko for for very uh, confusing reasons, which we've uh, gotten into, I think, before uh, on the show. But uh, but here in Latvia, she she is most commonly called uh, Aljona Ostapenko, and uh, she has uh, won her her fourth uh, uh, tournament here. Uh, well, not not here, um, but in in England. This was the Eastbourne WTA 500 series. Uh, so you know she um, most famously won the French Open. Uh, a few years back, but uh, you know, didn't quite find the same success after that. And uh, you know, I, I think it was ridiculous for people to say that. You know, I don't know that the, the, there there was there was all kinds of hot takes that people were making about uh, Miss Ostapenko and and her career. I mean, you know, she's still. <laughs> You know, even though you know people are saying that she has like a you know rough stretch, you know this or that. I mean, she's still been in like the top fifty tennis players in the world. Uh, you know, which I think is uh, pretty pretty darn good. Uh, you know, especially considering you know how small a country Latvia is and how many amazing uh, you know tennis players there are. But uh, you know, it's it's great to see that she is finding uh, some success again. And uh, you know, I, I think. You know, still has a very promising career ahead of her, and you know, also considering how uh, how young she is. So, uh, would you agree, Otto? Uh, exactly, uh, and I'm very happy and very proud um, about Miss Ostapenko uh, keeping up her spirits. Also, in between the hockey season, uh, as bringing also good results in other fields of sport. So, uh, congratulations to her. Certainly. So um, that brings us to some international stories. So we've already kind of gotten a little bit international talking about, uh, you know, international plagues and also, you know, this this British tournament. Um, but uh, big, big, big story, uh, you know, which, which is something that people have been waiting for some quite some time. These uh, European COVID certificates or, the, you know, this, this new green certificate um, uh, system is officially online now as of... Uh, well, you know, th- this week, and they're valid all throughout the EU. Um, how has it gone so far, Otto? Is has 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 this gotten off to a uh, to a good start? This this new uh, European wide COVID certificate program. So this was certainly uh, much expected by uh, many, and uh, would allow people to start uh, traveling again uh, to a somewhat similar extent uh, that was seen before the uh, pandemic. Uh, there have not been any major uh, problems that have been reported so far and uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, we have heard that uh, there have been some issues uh, with the national certificates, although those cases were uh, very limited in numbers. Uh, so perhaps we may also expect quite a smooth rollout of the same system because you use the same national certificates that you get um, after either getting that vaccinated or after successfully um, um, uh, recovering from uh, the uh, pandemic, uh, the COVID, uh, and uh, uh, it should be uh, a system that works. And uh, I will also try it out um, in the nearest future, uh, also doing a little bit uh, of going around the Baltic. So hopefully it works for me as well. 
Yeah, you know, um, I actually just downloaded it today, uh, you know, just to kind of test it out. You know, I just I was interested in seeing how quickly, uh, you know, it happened and everything. And, uh, you know, it was it was very, very quick to download it. It took me like, you know, I, I just did it on my phone. Uh, it took me something like five minutes altogether, you know, from, from going to the website to, to having it downloaded. And, you know, I don't have the world's best phone, certainly. So uh, so it's very easy. You know, I definitely suggest doing it. It's, it's, it's not as hard as you think. Um, and, uh, you know, actually another thing, Otto, I, that just kind of struck me, I don't know if we've discussed this before, uh, but going back to, you know, the um, kind of slowdown in uh, the amount of vaccinations, you know, one, one thing I can just mention is also, you know, I, I know some people who have the certificate because they recovered from, from COVID. Um, and those people are, you know, most of them I know are, are waiting to have the vaccine until they, um, you know, until that's no longer valid for them, until they lose that uh, immunity. So I, I think also that might be one thing. I haven't heard a lot of talk about that specific accent, uh, aspect, but I think, you know, the, um, uh, you know, as time goes on, as, as more of those people who have recovered, you know, will no longer be covered by the certificates. I think we could also see an uptick in, in vaccinations because of that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, because uh, uh, we'll see how long uh, the immunity lasts. Uh, uh, you know, we already have a number of vaccines that we have to uh, do uh, for, uh, you know, repeatedly. And it could be the case that it will also uh, apply to the COVID vaccine. So it, it means that uh, that will also not be the end of that story. No, certainly not. Yeah, this is not a story that's going away anytime soon. Um, one story I wish that would go away, though, is the uh, European-wide change to the value-added tax system. So this is um, you're basically a customs uh, tax that is uh, added to all shipments or an excise tax uh, from outside the EU. Um, you know, so because, uh, you know, my, my family sends me quite a few, uh, you know, packages from time to time with, just, you know, things like, you know, some kind of like little household things and some little gifts, you know, from clothes for my kids, you know, things like that. Uh, and it used to be that up to a certain value, I think it was like $35 and uh, whatever that is in euros, uh, you know, uh, anything under that uh, didn't have to be declared. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't have to pay uh, tax for that. You still, uh, and anything above that, uh, you, th there's this horrible system that I have to go through every time of uh, going to the post office, having to take a picture of the package, then uploading the picture of the package to this um uh, to, to, to the uh, National Tax Services uh, website, filling out a form, and then having to go back to the post office a second time to get it, you know, after maybe paying some kind of uh, small little fee uh, for, for customs. Uh, well, now, uh, the bad news is that that is going to apply to all shipments from outside the EU, regardless of the uh, you know, value of them. But the good news is, uh, I haven't tried this out yet. I will let you guys know how it works because I'm probably going to have to go through it myself pretty soon. Um, they, they've come up with this new app to hopefully make that uh, process a little bit less uh, headache inducing than it has been, you know, since they, since they introduced that new system, I think about two, two years back. So I will um, live report how, how it goes next time I have to pick up a package from, from the post office. But um, I, I don't know, Otto, I, I don't know how, how relevant this is to you. I don't know how many packages you receive from outside the EU, but, you know, I know a lot of our, of our listeners, uh, you know, that this is not the world's most welcome news to, but, uh, you know, definitely, you know, a, uh, I, I, can, I can see why you know, this, this, is, this is put into place and to certainly, uh, you know, encourage, uh, you know, people to buy things from within the EU and within the single block. But what are your thoughts on this uh, change to the system? And, you know, does this affect you in any way? Uh, well, uh, 
I would probably not be very affected by this, uh, but um, as we can see, uh, this was an agreement by the European Union member states, not, not only a decision by Latvia, so it is not going to go away so soon, and is uh, perhaps also connected uh, with the relationship that the European Union has with China, and also the, um, the competition uh, between the uh, Chinese and European producers, and probably the distortion of the competition that is created uh, by the fact that uh, if you buy something in the EU, uh, you have to pay uh, the VAT, and for the things that you get from uh, China, you don't. So that is something that decision makers have decided uh, to try to prevent. Um, but as a result, uh, many of our listeners uh, will have to pay more as a result. And from what I've read, Otto, maybe you can correct me on this, but from what I've read, this also applies to shipments from uh, the UK, which is no longer a member of the EU, you know, of course, you know, with the uh, Brexit deal and and with some of the negotiations, you know, um, you know, I mean, we didn't have a complete hard Brexit like a lot of people were worried about, where um, you know, just uh, the 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 EU and the UK reverted to you know some kind of a World Trade Organization, you know, automatic um, you know type of uh, a trade deal. But um, from what I understand, uh, this does apply to shipments from the UK. Is is that correct? Uh, I think you're right, and the same goes for the United States. Uh, so all uh, shipments uh, from outside the EU. Yep. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, you know, the next time you either buy something or uh, that you have uh, people send you a gift. Uh, but Otto, this is a story. This next one, uh, you know, bo both these next two stories involve a country that you have a very close connection with. Uh, so I'm going to let you take it away. Uh, certainly, and uh, that is the. Uh, visit of the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Japan, uh, who will uh, come to our country on Friday uh, to mark a hundred years since uh, Japan and Latvia uh, established a diplomatic relations. And this is a very important matter to remember, because Japan at that time, in 1921, was one of the winners of World War One. So it mattered the most uh, also uh, with regard to Japan, uh, whether they recognize us as a country. Uh, so you had a number of other countries such as uh, Great Britain and France and Belgium and uh, Italy, uh, but also it was uh, Japan as uh, one of the um, allied uh, states at the time. So it is great that the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Japan is coming and he will visit um, his Latvian counterpart and also will meet uh, the head of our government, Mr. Karinj. Uh, and I think uh, this is uh, very notable, especially at the time when Japan is preparing for the Olympic Games. And um, I think uh, it is uh, quite an honor and a, a great uh, indication of the positive trend that the relationship uh, between our two countries is developing. Yeah, and, um, you know, Speaking of the Tokyo Games, so there are going to be at least 33 uh, Latvians who will be visiting Tokyo, and those are 33 athletes which will be participating in the Olympics. And uh, you, know, you, you can find a list of, uh, of all of the athletes in, in which sports they're going to be uh, competing in and also the uh, dates uh, you know, uh, when, when they will be competing. So, so very, 
very exciting, including uh, Alyona Ostapenko, uh, you know, from, from tennis, and also uh, Anastasia uh, Sevastova, who we've also mentioned uh, many times on the show before, because uh, both of them are uh, extremely successful uh, athletes, um, but, but also a number of other uh, uh, athletes as well in, in a number of uh, different, uh, different sports. So very, very exciting time for Latvian sports. Would you agree, Otto? Exactly, and I wish them the best of luck, not only to enjoy beautiful Tokyo, uh, but also to get great results for our country. And I wish uh, you residents of Riga the best of luck this week with uh, the uh, pipe cleaning test which will be happening. So, so Otto, since you are a um, resident of Riga and you are uh, speaking from Riga right now, can you uh, tell people, uh, a fellow Rydznieki, what they might be in store for this week? Yes, so something that uh, you may notice uh, uh, should you use the uh, water uh, from the tap, um, either for consumption or may in the shower, uh, you may uh, get uh, additional uh, tinge of chlorine, uh, which is, of course, uh, uh, one of the uh, natural things, so to say, that happen um, in uh, Latvia, especially in our capital city during the summer, uh, when uh, the water pipes are in this way uh, disinfected by um, using additional uh, uh, content of uh, chlorine uh, to uh, keep it clean uh, and uh, keep it clean especially uh, from such harmful uh, contents as the uh, bacteria of Legionella disease uh, and other uh, waterborne issues that could cause um, a number of problems such as respiratory disease and so forth. Uh, so uh, for the next couple of days uh, make sure to boil the water before you use it in consumption and if your eyes are um, a bit more sensitive to that uh, as uh, they would be for example if you visit a public swimming pool uh, then keep that in mind and try to avoid uh, getting in uh, touch with the water but otherwise it is safe to use. Certainly yeah you know th th that that's something that was kind of surprising to me the first time that happened uh, you know when I turned the taps I was like you know does this taste right and then you know my wife was like oh you know that, that happens every summer so <laughs> you know uh, I, I can I can um, uh, concur with uh, with Otto's analysis there so that's great. And, you know, also just in general, um, you know, it's supposed to continue to be, um, you know, pretty good weather at least the next couple of days. I've, I've heard Saturday might be might be a little uh, a little bit iffy, but, uh, you know, please, if you do uh, get out there and, you know, go swimming, do do be careful, as we've said many, many times, you know, so make sure to wear some sunscreen, drink plenty of water, but uh, there should be plenty of uh, beautiful places to go visit. I know, Otto, you, you're doing a little bit of a trip through uh through, through Latvia and, and also Lithuania as well as you as you mentioned so uh, maybe next episode you can you can give us some hot tips on on where to uh, to travel to what do you think uh, certainly uh, especially as Yalga would always be on my way um, mm -hmm. I will be also able to test whether uh, the COVID uh, certificate works uh, um, beyond our country and um, I think this is a, a great summer <laughs> Um, in our country and I would uh, wish uh, that all of our listeners would have the chance to enjoy it as well. And also those of you who are outside of the country and uh, anywhere else in the world, we wish you the best. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have not done so already, please go to our Facebook page and make sure to click like there or follow 
and you can see the amazing work that uh, Kian does every single day, updating it with stories of the day, uh, so you can keep up to date throughout the week with what is happening here in Latvia. But I think that that is just about it for this week. Any final words you'd like to say before we wrap things up, Otto? Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and visu labu. Visu labu, visiemu.